0: good morning. If you can find your seats please. Please take your seats. If you can open up your Bibles to Colossians 4, <clears throat> we're in the second week of a mini-series on uh, church vision, it's on evangelism and outreach. It really taps into our church mission statement, which is to love God, to love one another, and to love our neighbor. And so this really is connected to loving our neighbor. So if you could stand, <clears throat> Donna will be reading From Colossians four two to six. Colossians chapter four verses two through six. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Here is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, most, <clears throat> excuse me, most of us who are 16 or older, we drive some type of vehicle. Um, we drive cars, we drive F- SUVs, we drive 15-passenger vans, um, we drive trucks. Um, some of us drive motorcycles. Um, and I had a motorcycle in high school and college. <clears throat> and I know that if you drive one, you must be alert. Uh, why? Because if you don't, bad things can happen. Um, now, you, you must be alert whatever you drive, right? Whether you're out on I-40 or whether you're driving around town, you have to be alert. But if you drive a motorcycle, you must be very alert. You must be watchful. Um, there are potholes, there are gra- there's gravel, there's slick roads, and there are people who don't see you. <laughs> they don't see you until the last minute. Also, my, my barber, um, Tracy, he's a, he's a motorcycle guy. And he says, actually, driving at night, he thinks there's a lot of accidents happen at night. And he also said that um, part of that is people are drinking and driving motorcycles at night. It's not a good combination. Um, So I'm not saying don't drive a motorcycle, but I'm saying if you do, be very alert. Be watchful. Well, our text today talks about watchfulness. Um, The idea of of being alert or awake is mentioned often in the Gospels, in the epistles. In Ephesians 5, Paul writes about being awake. Why? Because the days are evil. We must be awake and alert and sober because of the dangers of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Because when we aren't, bad things can happen. Uh, things can happen that they can affect us in ways that if we were ready for them, they wouldn't have been a problem. But we weren't alert, and they were. Now, being watchful means to be ready, to be spiritually awake and aware and vigilant concerning the temptations and dangers in our lives and in those that God has called us to care for. But also, when we live ready, when we live watchfully, And prayerfully, we will be able to bear fruit in the opportunities that come our way. And one of the ways that we grow in being more fruitful in sharing the love of Christ and the saving message of the gospel is to be watchful for open doors that the Lord has for us and then to walk through those doors and into the good works that God has prepared for us. Now I know that for many Christians, when they hear a teaching on evangelism, they get nervous, right? We, get, we all, most of us get nervous. <clears throat> it's an area where most of us need to grow in, and it's easy to be, feel condemned and discouraged when we look at our own track record. And I know that's, that's true for me. In fact, last week at the end of Daniel's sermon, as we were beginning to wor- worship, the Lord brought this memory back to me of evangelism. And I thought I would share it with you this morning so that you know who's preaching. Um, it happened at Penn State. I was with Dan Stoldorf, um, who's actually was the founding pastor of our church here at Cornerstone. And we were, we were in the same fellowship at Penn State. And one time we decided we're going to go out and do evangelism. So we were, we were in the dorms. We were just walking up, knocking on doors, asking guys if we could come in and, and talk to them about spiritual things. And so the first few times, Dan took the lead. And then after a while, he said, why don't you take this next one? So we came to the door, and it was actually, it was an open door. We're going to talk about open doors later. But this is an open door. There was three or four guys just hanging out, shooting the breeze. And so we walk into the room, and I introduce us, and I started going through the routine. And as I did so, I leaned up against the wall and turned the lights out in the room. So complete darkness. Right? <clears throat> Not a very auspicious way to start my career as an evangelist. So that guy is preaching this morning. Um, but you know what? Um, God loves to use weak people, um, and despite our weaknesses in this area, in this area, we are called to grow in the grace of evangelism, and. I'm going to call you to some things today. The elders are calling you to hear this word on evangelism and outreach. And we should not look to ourselves, but we should look to God and to his grace, which is more than enough to help us to grow and to be fruitful in this area. Let's pray. Well, Lord, even as we worship this morning, even as we heard prophetic words about uh, bringing people into the kingdom because you are worthy to be worshipped, and so that they might enter into the joy of knowing and worshipping you. Lord, help us this morning. Uh, Jesus, you said in John 4 to look up that the the fields are white for harvest. So Lord, help us to look up. Open our eyes to the fields and equip us, Lord, through the Spirit of God and through your Son working in and through us for your great glory amen well uh, what's the, the title is watchful in prayer and evangelism I have uh, five points the, the points have to do with um, how or what should we be watchful for so we should be watchful in prayer uh, that's my first point. point second point is watchful for open doors Third point is watchful in making it clear by the power of the Spirit. Uh, Also, being watchful for wisdom that God wants to give us. And then the last point is watchful in our speech. So some of those are are short short points. We'll go through them quickly. But the first is watchful in prayer. We want to grow in our evangelism as a church. And that requires us to grow as a praying church. Um, I shared this following quote at the prayer meeting last week, but it stands to be repeated. It's from the introduction of uh, Paul Miller's book called A Praying Church. And it says, A church with a rich history, a flawless music, powerful preaching, amazing child care, a paid-off mortgage, stellar attendance, but sleepily operating out of the resources of the flesh instead of prayer is headed towards tragic inconsequentiality. That's a sober exhortation and reminder that lo- that long-term growth and fruitfulness in any local church, it's tied to many things, but prayer is one of the most important things. And may we, may we all carry a sense of that responsibility to to pray for our church to grow, to pray for it to grow both inwardly and outwardly. Inwardly, I mean, we want to grow in Christian character, in love, in holiness. We want to care for one another. We want to share hospitality with one another. But also externally, we want to reach out to others with the love of Christ. And life as a Christian is sustained by prayer. Um, and in, an integral part of prayer is persistence, endurance, and steadfastness. Verse 2 of our text reads, continue steadfastly in prayer. And some translations read, be devoted to prayer. As Christians, we have been called, both individually and corporately, to a life of prayer. I believe that's true for every Christian, that we have been called to a life of prayer, in praying individually, but also praying with others, especially our local church. Now, that doesn't mean that we all become nuns or monks and have no life outside of prayer, but it does mean that at some level, we become devoted to prayer. And so one of the things that I think we should be asking as a result of this teaching series is, what are some of the ways that I can build more prayer into my life, and to actually make it a lifestyle. I know Tim Keller, in his book on prayer, which is an outstanding book, he mentions that he and his wife, they cultivated the habit of praying three times a day. Now, I think some of those, those prayer, their prayer times were short, but still, that was a discipline and a lifestyle for them. I'm not saying we have to do that, but that's, it. that's an example of being devoted to prayer and making it a part of our lifestyle. This spiritual discipline of watchfulness is closely linked to prayer. Jesus said in Luke 21, to stay awake at all times, praying that we might have strength to withstand hardship and persecution. And in Matthew 26, he said that we should watch and pray that we may not fall into temptation. Prayer and watchfulness go together. And that's because watchfulness, is, it's cultivated in prayer. As we realize our need for the Lord and call out to him for his grace and his power. You know, if we lived in a city that was under siege from an enemy, that on a regular basis was experience bombs being dropped and enemy soldiers being seen in our vicinity, we would be much more watchful in our attitude and in our actions, and we would be much more vigilant in prayer towards how we ought to live in the war that's going on around us. We would also be watchful for opportunities to help our side win the war. Well, we're in a war, don't we, aren't we? Have you, do you ever feel that sometimes you, you sleepwalk through part of life? That you miss opportunities to be used by God because you weren't ready? I do. I have much regret in that area. Why wasn't I ready for that opportunity? Why was I spiritually dull or caring too much about trying to impress people or fit in rather and looking to the Holy Spirit for what I should say or how I should respond. See, it's in prayer that we bring to God not only the areas that we need to be on guard against in terms of temptation and danger, but it's also the areas of where uh, ministry and outreach that intersect with our lives. That is, the people that we will encounter today or this week or in the future you know, Connie and I both have our, fifth, our high school 50th reunion this year. And, and we're both going to this. Hers is in September, mine's in October. And um, we haven't been to many, uh, but we thought it would be fun to go to the 50th. So I'm praying. I am praying, Lord, when we're there, direct us to the people you want us to be with and give us opportunities to testify of God's grace. Now remember, I am a weak person in the area of evangelism, but God delights in helping weak and watchful people. In fact, it's hard to be watchful if you're not aware of your weaknesses and your need for God. You see that in the life of David. You know David was a great king, a great shepherd, a great leader. He's the one who slayed Goliath. He's the one who led the army and had many victories. He was the man after God's own heart. But when you open up the book of Psalms and you read his prayers, you see he had a very, very much a self-awareness of his weakness and his need for God. And that's, that was both in times of adversity but also in times of prosperity. You see David calling out to God for strength. But you also see a confidence in David that God would meet him. So, what is going on in your life right now today? In light of that, what should you pray for? Both in your the scheduled appointments, the people you're going to meet or be with, but also praying for the unexpected interactions with your neighbors or your coworkers or your children or your grandchildren. See, it's not only watchfulness that's cultivated in prayer, but also a healthy dependence on God as we call on him in our weakness and trust him to help us. So I want to move on to our next point, but I don't want to move on from prayer because it's connected to each of our points. Prayer and watchfulness go together. Second point we're going to look at is watchful for open doors. Now Paul prays in verse 3, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ. And this idea of an open door is mentioned a few times in the New Testament. In fact, in Acts 14, Luke writes that when Paul and his ministry team had arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Now, a good question for us would be, what constitutes an open door to talk about spiritual things with a non-Christian? Well, there's a range of how each one of us would answer that question. But regardless of how you would answer that question, I think most of us would say, we, we love an open door, a wide open door. Right, One that when you're walking by, it's just wide open, and it's just calling your name. You know, I had one of those a few years ago. It was on a Sunday afternoon. I went for a walk in a park that's near our house, and there's a little pond there. And so I just sat down on the bench. I was looking out on the pond. And this young lady comes up. She's walking her dog, and she just she comes up, and she stops right at the bench. So we just started talking. And I found out she was from Maryland. Uh, She was down visiting her boyfriend. But I also found out she'd been attending a Bible study. And I, I don't remember all the specifics of the conversation, but I do remember this, that I felt like she's either a new Christian or she's close to the kingdom. And I just had the opportunity to talk to her about what it meant to be a Christian. Now, wouldn't it be nice if all open doors were like that? Right. But they're not. You know, sometimes we have to push against the door to see if it's open or whether it's closed for right now. If we look at what preceded Paul's open door that was spoken about in Acts 14, we see that he ministered in a number of ways. He and Barnabas went to the synagogue and they shared God's word, they also ministered outside of the synagogue including to the proconsul of that area, a man named Sergius Paulus, who came to believe. They also encountered opposition from some of the Jews, as well as a, a magician who was a, a Jewish false prophet. My point is that they were doing the work of ministry, and out of that, God granted an open door for the gospel to be preached and to be received. Now, some of us, some of our more evangelistic folks um, are good at pressing against the door to see if it's opened, right? Actually, some of them actually kick the door down. (laughs) But others of us, we're, we're more proper, right? We're more polite. We would never walk through a door unless it's completely wide open and calling to us. Well, in our fourth point, we will discuss Wisdom. And we do need wisdom. But I would say that probably for most of us, we need to grow in pushing against doors to see if they're open. So how do we do that? How do we do that? I think this is where the nervousness starts to creep into our soul, right? Uh, The nervousness that results from being encouraged to do something that we're uncomfortable with or that we don't think we can do. Well, I think the primary uh, help with that nervousness about speaking to non-Christians is the promise and the assurance of God's grace and help. His grace says that he will help us do what he commands us to obey. You know, his grace is wonderful. His grace will help us, it will give us the power to do what he has commanded us to do. Now, that does not mean that effort isn't going to be required. All growth requires effort. But see, it's an effort that's empowered by God's wonderful help and strength. In fact, in Ephesians 1, Paul prays. He prays that uh, the Ephesians would know the greatness, the, uh, of the, the, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. And he actually goes on to say, that power is the power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand. That power is toward us who believe. And we must believe and trust God for that. Because when we humble ourselves before him, he meets us where we are. And when we are trusting him to help us, he will do so even in the midst of our weakness. So when you're when you're in a situation with a non-Christian, you should have this attitude. Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing, but I need you to help me. To give me your wisdom and your grace to speak out or to, to reach out or to initiate a conversation. See, we must trust our Heavenly Father to do so. In like fact, Jesus spoke about this in Mark 13. He said, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that has helped me know whether I should say something in those moments is three things. One is there's a clarity. There's a clarity of what I should say. Secondly, there's a peace and there's a confidence to say it. If that's there, then I felt like oh, that's the Holy Spirit and it's, easy, it's much easier to do and to talk to people once you have that. So a few more words about open doors. <clears throat> One, are you praying for them regularly? Let's, as a church, make that a regular prayer for us individually and corporately that God would open up doors for us to share the gospel. I believe God God will give us those open doors if we do that, if we pray and if we believe him to do so. Secondly, know that sometimes open doors, they're, they're like open windows. They can open and close quickly. And so we must be ready for them. We must be watchful for them. We must live ready for open doors. Ephesians 6 talks about this in the passage about uh, putting on the armor of God. It tells us to put on as shoes for our feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So there, there should be a readiness in our heart, in our mind, and in our attitude that we're ready to share the gospel as God gives us open doors. Third thing about open doors even if you're limited in your time or your physical circumstances, God can provide open doors for you if you're asking for them in faith. You know, Paul was in prison, and yet he's asking for open doors. You know, the book of Colossians and the book of Philippians were both written about the same time from prison. And in Philippians 1, Paul shares this. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So apparently, what Paul prayed for in Colossians 4, for open doors, we find out in Philippians that it happened. He was able to share the gospel in prison. He wasn't confined by his circumstances. So even if you, you're home with with, with small children um, and you don't have that much time to go out. Now, I'm not equating that with being in prison. <laughs> it may feel like it sometimes. Um, or maybe you have a medical condition that limits you. Or maybe you just feel like most of us, that you're, you aren't really cut out for this. Pray. Pray, and God will open up doors for you and for me. Know also that open doors can, they're often small open doors. You know, we all want the open doors that lead to dramatic conversions, right? And when that happens, that's wonderful. We rejoice. But in reality, that's not how the kingdom of God often comes it often comes through small interactions or acts of kindness or conversations with people or even lengthy ones that don't seem to have an impact on the person we're talking to. It was very encouraging last week to hear Daniel's story about the man who 85 years after he heard the gospel, he got converted. He remembered what had been spoken 85 years ago so we, we should never, we, we never know the things that we say to people may have an impact on their lives years later. I remember after I was converted, um, I was with a, a friend that I had grown up with and he was really into the band Kiss. And I remember during our conversation, I said something like, oh, oh they're demonic, they're demonic. And like afterwards, I was thinking, why did I say that? You know, I, I should have shared the gospel, but that's all I said to him. Well, like, in the next year, I, I, I was home and I was in the Christian bookstore, um, and there he is. <laughs> and it's was like, what are you doing here? And he said, well, I came to the Lord. And he said, you know, when you mentioned about them being the, uh, of, the, of the devil, that really made me think. It's like, <laughs> who knows? Who knows what? What, what we say will have an impact on, on people. You know, God works in us, he works through us, and he works despite us. So do not despise the day of small beginnings as you reach out in small gestures of grace and conversations about the Lord. Or our next point is watchful and making it clear by the power of the Spirit. So in verse 4, Paul asks for prayer. He says, prayer that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So this is Paul, the apostle, the one who heralded the gospel throughout the known world. He's asking for grace to make clear the mystery of the gospel. You know, Paul, Paul spoke to a lot of different people when he was on his missionary journeys. If you look at two of the places where scripture opens doors for him, he spoke to the Jews in the synagogue. He spoke to government rulers. He spoke to disciples of John the Baptist. He spoke to the Gentiles. He sp- and he spoke to other tent makers like Aquila and Priscilla. See, he needed the Spirit's power and insight to communicate the gospel clearly to each of those people and each of those groups. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 9, he declares this. He says, I have made myself a servant to all. And I think that's really important in terms of evangelism. That's the foundation. We become servants of the people that we're seeking to to minister to. We become a servant to all. Why? That I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jew. To those under the law, I became as one under the law. Though not myself being under the law that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. See, the gospel message doesn't change, but the context of how we share it can change. Paul needed wisdom and grace to make it clear to each of those people, each of those groups that he was speaking to, Now, Daniel is going to speak next week on making the gospel clear. What I want to touch on in this point is being watchful for ways to clearly transition to gospel conversations. It's good to think deeply and clearly about the core truths of the gospel and how to bridge into spiritual conversations. Now, in the context of Friendship or relationships with non Christians, it's, it's often much easier to do as opposed to when you just have a little bit of time with a person. But regardless of who you're talking to and what the context is, we should be ready, we should be alert to ask people things like this What are your spiritual beliefs? Who do you think Jesus Christ is? Do you think there is a heaven or a hell? Do you go to church? That's that's a pretty innocent one, right? you go to church? Or what's your church background? You know, these questions and others are found in a book uh, that Court Walker used when he taught an evangelism course a few years ago. It's entitled Share Jesus Without Fear by William Fay. And these questions are, they're gentle, and respectful ways to see if a person is interested in talking about spiritual things. And if they're not, if they don't really respond well to those questions, it's, it's usually a sign that it's not an open door right now. But if they are, that's an open door for you. And that conversation may go deep or may not, but again, we don't we don't control those open doors. We live under the providence of God. But we do want to push that door as far as it'll go. So we must find ways of talking with others about the Lord. And we must pray for and depend on the power of the Spirit. You know, Acts 1.8 tells us that the filling or the baptism the Holy Spirit was given in order that we would have power to be witnesses for Christ. Similarly, in Ephesians 5, verses 16 and 17, it is a passage that touches on similar topics as our text does. And Paul encourages the church to awaken, to be careful how they walk, to walk in wisdom and to use their time wisely, things that our passage speaks to us. But then in verse 18, it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. So our prayer should be for open doors, including open transitions to talk about God. And also we should pray for the power of the Spirit to communicate not only the gospel message, but also the way, just ways to connect with Christians in love, and in friendship. It's not always just communicating the gospel. It's how do I, even as we heard at the prophecy, Mike, today, how do I share the love of Christ and and the, the genuine friendship with people? We need the Spirit to help us do that. So praying daily for the filling of the Spirit is a good discipline and habit of grace Because apart from him, we can do nothing. Even if you're gifted in some areas, apart from the Spirit's help, that gifting won't be fruitful. But with the Spirit's help, we can walk in the good works that God has provided for us. If we're we're going to live ready and watchfully, we need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because being watchful, it's an attitude. It's a spiritual disposition. It's a spiritual readiness that is rooted in being dependent on God. And relying on the fact that the Spirit will go with us in every situation we encounter. Isn't that good news? We should seek to grow in our awareness and our trust in the fact that wherever you are at, Whoever you are with, the Spirit of God is right there with you. And we should cultivate an attitude of saying to the Spirit, Help me. What should I do right now? Right? Just a cultivated dependency on the Spirit of God who's been given to you. If you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God. He is a helper. And He wants to help us grow to reach non Christians with the gospel. Our next point is being watchful for wisdom. So Paul states in verse 5, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Now when he says outsiders, he he just means non-Christians. Some translations use the phrase, those who are without. They are without Jesus Christ. And we must be watchful Because eternity is at stake. We must wake up to that fact. Now, we can't let that truth paralyze us, but we can let it motivate us to the need for wisdom with non Christians. And we must wake up to the fact that though we can't convert anyone, you know, that's the work of the Spirit, we are the means that God has chosen to reach us, to reach them. Daniel mentioned last week, Evangelism, the book by J.I. Packard, Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. How do those two things go together? That's a mystery. But again, we must um, wake up to the fact that we can't convert anybody, but at the same time, God wants to use us to reach them. We need wisdom to develop relationships with non-Christians. I've heard, as as probably you have, that often people come to faith through a friend. So here's an assignment. Take inventory and make a list of all the non-Christians you know, especially those you might be able to develop or deepen a friendship with. And from that list, come up with a plan to do so. This, this will take time. Um, this will require time to invest in them, obviously. And you might say, Mike, I, I just don't have time for that. I'm too busy. Well, remember, being busy isn't the same thing as being faithful and being fruitful. Busy does not mean that you're being faithful and fruitful. We have many things that we are called to do in being faithful Christians. Seeking to reach others for Christ is one of the most important ones. And don't overthink it. It may be a neighbor or a work colleague or maybe it's a family member that doesn't know the Lord. I know it can actually be embarrassing to realize how few people may be on that list for some of you. It was for me the first time I, I did this. But actually having some names on there is better than having no names on there. Maybe it's a friend or a family member who lives far away who you can reach out to through phone or through email or through texting. You know, one of the things I regularly do is I email a relative who's in prison. Be willing to invest in them. Um, You know, evangelism is in some ways a discipline to be planned for. Yes, it involves spontaneous conversations, and we should be ready for those. But planning how you're going to reach out to others within the context of your schedule falls within the area of wise planning. So, so plan, come up with a plan. Go to lunch with them. Have them in your home. Look for opportunities to serve them and events to invite them to. You know, I know personally, I've had to, to discipline myself when I'm, I'm out, outside cutting the grass or working outside, and I see one of my neighbors. And I just oftentimes say, okay, I'm going to stop what I'm doing I'm going to go over, take five or ten minutes and talk with him. And you might say, Mike, I've got a list to do on Saturday. I've got to get to my list, right? Well, first of all, you're not going to get everything done on your list, so <laughs> chill out. <laughs> but secondly, at the top of your list should be love God, love one another, and love my neighbor. It's a a loving sacrifice to give up your time and develop relationships and friendships with others. As a church, we're looking into opportunities to serve in our community that will hopefully help us do more in the area of serving others and testifying to them in word and in deed about Christ. But one of those ministries that's already in place is Safe Families. And Joy Sasser, who's involved in the ministry, wrote the, f- the following. She said, I'm not great at straight-up verbal evangelism. But if in humility and kindness, I can walk alongside others to bring justice or hope in the peace and love of Christ, then the conversation naturally leads, leads to the gospel. About six and a half years ago, we began our engagement as a church with Safe Families for Children. This has led to many opportunities to enter into the lives of families in crisis in our community. In safe families, there's a variety of roles and opportunities to fit any gifting and season of life. Some opportunities are quick, and we pray that the care and service given given, plant or water seeds for the gospel. Some relationships built have gone long, gone deep and long, These have presented opportunities to pray with moms, pray over children, and see God to work and to answer these prayers. When walking through hardship with a mom who has hit the end of a rope, the gospel is compelling and the only hope we honestly can give. Our handout or help only goes so far. The gospel will take them the distance. Having the gospel at the center of why and how we love others Points me to the source when I am weary or walking in my strength. But out of the abundance of God's love for me, I can love others and point them to God. So thank you, Joy, for sharing that. Thank you, and to, to Rachel McClellan and Maria Yardley and, and Teresa Gregas, who, who helped lead that ministry. Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. Um, but what, what Joy is stressing is that evangelism is relational. It grows out of genuine relationship with others. A, f- a few years ago, we, we had a discipleship class, and we used the book called The Art of Neighboring, Cultivating Genuine Relationships. And here's, here's a quote from it. I think that ties into to what we, ta- we were talking about. We don't love our neighbors to convert them We love our neighbors because we are converted. I just think that's a great um, mindset. I think part of wisdom in interacting with those who are without Christ involves genuine love, genuine friendships. Yes, we are doing so with the ultimate goal of seeing them come to faith, but our main motivation is the love of God. This compels us in wisdom to look out and be ready for opportunities to share the gospel, but this should not be the only relationship or only reason we are in relationship with them. Genuine love and friendship are the reasons. And as I was thinking through that, you know, I thought of our sister here in the church, uh, Nikki Bartolomeo. Um, she's a nanny, and one of the one of the families that she's worked for. Uh, they, they moved out of the area, but the wife, uh, Nikki, had such a great friendship with the wife that they, they still go on vacation together. Um, so just a, an example of cultivating a genuine friendship with other people. So in our praying for open doors, let us pray that God will enable us to reach out in Christian kindness to others, serving them offering them hospitality, friendship, and Christian witness. And and be encouraged that um, wisdom is very personal. You know, God knows who you are. He knows your weaknesses and your strengths. He knows your situation. He will provide relationships for you if you ask for them in prayer and you seek for them and you're alert to them. You know, recently there's been articles about Loneliness in our in our country being a national epidemic. People are starving for genuine relationships. And one scripture that has come to my mind recently is, is from Luke 14. And it says, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Both inside the church and outside the church, we should be watchful for those who not, may not be able to reciprocate our kindness. They may not be able to pay us back, but to whom we can offer the love of Christ. That's part of what Jesus is calling us to. Well, we're going to finish up with our last point. Watchful in your speech. Verse 6 reads, Let your speech always be gracious. seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You know, when it comes to sharing the gospel and speaking about spiritual things with non-Christians, you can err in one of two ways. Uh, one is extreme is trying to turn every conversation into a conversation about God. But the other is the person who isn't living ready at all, one who's never ready to share the gospel or willing to venture out into that area. And if that second error is you, and that's probably true for most of us more than we'd like to admit, remember that change starts with prayer. Just regularly praying that the Lord would give you open doors and that you would have grace and wisdom to speak and that your speech would be seasoned with grace and truth. People need to hear both. They need to hear the truth and they need to hear the grace of God. In fact, the the Weymouth translation of that verse reads, let your language be always seasoned with the salt of grace so that you may know how to give each person a fitting answer. May God help us to do that. You know, last week, um, Jimmy Buffett passed away, and his most popular song had a line on it about a lost shaker of salt. But well, we need to find that shaker of salt. In fact, we are that shaker of salt. And we need to develop friendships with non-Christians where we are regularly sprinkling them with the salt of a life lived for Christ and for his glory. And Peter speaks about that in his first epistle. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's a good place to close by remembering that Christ is our Lord and the seeking to honor him as holy. This is the reason that we make a defense for the gospel. Our love for him and our love for others so it's out of that attitude of worship and love for our savior that we put on readiness of the gospel for the hope that we have in Christ and Daniel will pick up from there next week let's pray lord we thank you for the holy spirit we thank you for this command to for, to pray for open doors And we just now, as a church, ask you for those. Lord, individually, corporately, give us opportunities to declare the mystery of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the love of Christ, how wonderful he is, how he's calling people to come to him, to follow him. Holy Spirit, help us. Help us to grow. Help us to put our trust that you will lead us and guide us and empower us to do so. And even, Lord, as you are our best friend, you are the shepherd of our soul, you desire us to extend that love to other people. So we pray for that. We pray for fruit in evangelism. That whether it's 85 years from now or 85 weeks from now, or whenever it might be, the people who we sp- speak to and and witness to would remember those words and come to you. Lord, bless the uh, bless your word as we have received it today. Amen. Stand.